Hey, good evening, Internet, and welcome back to Can't Hurt Your Own Risk, episode 45, The Terrific Twos, where we'll be talking about our favorite second movie in either a series or just as a direct sequel to the first. Uh, again, you have Kent, Kevin, and Chris going over this. Uh, we were just here a little bit ago to do episode number 44, so... Uh, rather than repeat ourselves ad nauseum, we will just kick in the gear with Kevin leading off with his list. Hold up one second. I will say this. I have a hidden list of eight movies that I'm curious how many of those get discussed between you two guys. I'm calling this the talk too much about list. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. I got one. <laughs> I, yeah, I know Kevin has at least one. <laughs> but my number five is... A Quiet Place Part 2, 2021, written and directed by John Krasinski. Uh, though this I don't think is as good as the first, but it's close. And I saw this one in the theaters when it came out, which was right when theaters were opening back up for uh, since COVID and new movies were being released. I almost dumped my entire popcorn uh, in, in my lap. The first 10 minutes. Uh, great opening sequence. I really liked how they expanded the world and went back to the beginning. They don't mess with their classic monster movie formula and succeeding in making it for modern cinema audiences. It's a creature feature suspense thriller and a family drama drama all wrapped up into one. Uh, Killian Murphy is a great addition to the cast, and the scene where he sticks the knife in the dude's leg is one of the best scenes in either movie. Uh, the rest of the cast is great, and Emily Blunt kills it per usual. Quiet Place Part 2, what do you guys think? My terrific two. Uh, do you want me to go first, Kent? Uh, yes, yes. My wife was a huge fan of the first one to the point that she bought the DVD made us watch it a couple times. Um, and then somewhere in between watching the first one and when the second one came out, she lost all interest in it. And she was like, when it came out, because we have um, Paramount Plus, she was like, eh, fuck it. Uh, so for whatever reason, I let her just, you know, apathy kind of affect me, and I still haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I love Emily Blunt. I really like John Krasinski since The Office. And I love Killian Murphy. So uh, I'm really... This is on my list of shit to watch. So, that's it. Yeah, uh... <sighs> was supposed to watch it yesterday and today, but... Something was super exciting about watching terrible movies instead of good movies that I may like. Uh, that says so much about me as a human being. So, um, I haven't seen it. I own it. Uh, I'm ready to watch it. I've been ready to watch it the past two days. By the time we come back for the next episode, I will have seen it. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm really surprised you guys haven't seen it. Yeah, it's on Paramount Plus, though. That's where I saw it. So, if anyone out there... I'm surprised, too, because Chris and I talked about that damn movie, well, the original, quite a few times. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It, it expands the world in a nice way, and it doesn't, like... I don't know, like, kind of, like, harp on one thing more than another. It, it, it's good. It does, it does, uh, it does its job well as a sequel. And, uh, I'm excited for the day one and then a quiet place part three. The day one is going to be the, 
spin-off standalone prequel. But, alright. Number four. Scream 2, 1997. Written by Kevin Williamson and directed by Wes Craven. Um, the balcony shot where Sarah Michelle Gellar is bloody laying on the ground where the guitar from Everclear's The Swing is playing over it is uh, so iconic to me, and I feel like it should be iconic to everyone. Uh, or more iconic than it is, perhaps, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I was upset that they killed Randy Hoff, so it took me a long time before I could warm up to the greatness that this movie is. Um, I think this movie is also Courtney Cox's peak hotness. Uh, when I saw this in the theater, we got there during the credits. Uh, so the credits to the end of the movie were playing when we walked in and less than Jake playing. I think I love you cover blew my mind and I opened my mind to, or I think it was the first time I ever heard less than Jake. And it wasn't like you could, uh, the internet was at that time and you couldn't just look up punk cover. I think I love you, you know, like yeah, I actually like saw the band and then, you know, they're one of my favorite bands still to this day. I've seen them tons of times and I don't even think I had been to a legit show or concert at that time. Uh, yeah. Love us and Jake. Uh, and that soundtrack is, is really great. That Everclear song rules, uh, and is only on that soundtrack. Uh, also, I think I saw this with you, Chris, and I know definitely Eric and Russell and Jim Black. I remember Eric yelling, get the gun over and over again. It was so annoying in the theater uh, to whatever the, the – it was not Brandy in that movie, is it? I don't know. And uh, But with the security guards or the, the security guys for Sydney when they get the – spike in the head and uh and my only other memory of that is jim black leaving the theater and saying i can't believe uh roseanne's sister is the killer as we were walking out of the theater and someone was like are you serious dick and uh i don't know were you with us chris i think jay was also jay was with us too um uh, definitely, I do remember that Jim Black yeah, thing. He almost got into a fight because of that shit. And I, I was proud that he could, like, sum it up so easily because we, we didn't know Laurie Metcalf and nor would anyone else, like, ruin that ending. And, and I do remember, I do remember Eric yelling at Get the gun! Get the, the gun! gun. Uh, I... I sometimes I tr- I try not to talk too much shit about Eric on this podcast because I know he's one person who might actually listen to it. But um, some, some oh, I have hard, I have so nothing sorry. but affection sorry, for that Eric. that memory now. But I remember just being like, but it and it's funny because it kind of parallels the beginning of the movie of the Jada Pinkett like yelling at uh, Heather Graham during the stab sequence. Hey, Eric. Uh, yeah, so I, I just took this off my list. I'm sure this was one of the secret eight, Kent. Oh, absolutely. Dude, this, this is, this is the best compliment I will give this movie. I will usually argue about any pick that anybody makes, including myself, on any of these lists. But if somebody says to me, Scream 2 is the best sequel ever made in horror, I will not argue it. 
I just won't because it. We, we, you, Chris, you and I have probably spent over two hours of podcast time discussing this movie and everything that we love about it, from music to the cast to story to everything. Like, it, I just I can't argue against anybody picking this anywhere. Like, as long as it's a positive thing, if somebody's anti Scream Two. I may have to fight you. And I'm probably bigger than you. The joy the joy of horror films and uh yeah, well it just this just sums up what like everything about a terrific sequel should be and it does it in a way that it actually literally says this is what sequels are and this is what it delivers in the film. And it works. And it and it fucking works. So uh kudos to you, Kevin William Williamson. But yeah, all right. So we're gonna move on. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Uh, number three, Hellbound, Hellraiser two, nineteen eighty eight. Uh, written by Peter Atkins, story by Clive Barker, directed by Tony Randall. This one is great, even with the beginning being the end of the first one. Uh, the first one I believe is a masterpiece. This one, not a masterpiece, is. Pretty great, though, and even just on the gore alone, uh, the filleted bodies getting it on is is awesome, uh, and the special effects makeup is 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 so good. Um, the acting is great, especially Ashley Lawrence's character development, or like just her going into that psychosis uh, when Julia. Uh, played by Claire Higgins, rips out Frank's heart out of his filleted body and says, nothing personal, babe, is one of the highlights of the entire series for me. Um, Though I do admit I kind of lose what's going on by the end of it, it, the very end scene with the shackled bloody mattress is so so good and makes up for all of the other stuff that was going on with Ashley Lawrence and the other girl. and the what's your pleasure, sir? Final ending. I, I it was great. So, um, yeah, Hellbound. Uh, this might be a hot take, but I actually think this is better than the first one. Oh, I don't know, but the first one that's cool. That's right, rightly considered a classic. But when you rewatch it, now there's not really much going on. Yeah, it's it's kind of non-eventful, uh, and I like like one of the things that I like about sequels is where they take and expand upon the lore, you know, or the the characters. They let there be growth, and I think this is a good example of um, a movie that does both right. You know, we get Pinhead's background, we get uh, more uh, going on with Christy. Kirsty, whatever. But uh, I think Julia works as a better villain for the most part than Frank did. Yeah, actually, that is that's that is pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it maybe it's that uh, the the what do you call it? Cat original bias. Yeah, original bias. Yeah, yeah. the weird sex stuff was was. Uh, was was just uh, I think just my favorite part of the first one, and it, but it does 
have that in this, but it, it doesn't seem as like the penis tentacles. Come twisted. on, yeah. <laughs> so, I I definitely prefer the original one just because it has more Frank, and Frank is just my dude. Um, but this is one of those rare instances where, even looking at my review of it. I was so conflicted, and I, I had to write like an update the day after. I'm like, after sleeping on it, I liked the movie even more than I thought. So, I don't do that hardly at all. Normally, I'm very stubborn. I'm just like, if I don't fucking like the movie, I don't fucking like the movie. Blah, blah. But no, like I slept on it. I was like, you know, there was a lot to like about this movie. I, I don't. I'd have to rewatch both of them back to back just to get a vibe on, you know, if if I preferred two, but I, I don't think I would. But I, I do think they're closer than uh, I originally used to. Like when I was younger, I, I just preferred part one. Uh, I don't like Kirsty at all. That that is a problem I have. Um, so that can hinder how how I view the movies. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know. I'm not going to give you any shade for for picking this. Like it's a fun movie. I enjoy it. No, I get that too. I didn't love it when I watched it. I don't know a couple of years ago after like revisiting the first one. And but but I but I liked it. It was cool and it was super gory. But and I like appreciated that. But it didn't. I don't know. I felt like the story didn't have what the first one had, um, which was cool. I mean, maybe I just. Also, when I went back and watched Hellraiser, I didn't realize how much, how how good it it was and how it held up uh, compared to a lot of those other movies from that time. Well, Hellraiser, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this was not a movie that, like, even in my early teens, I was just like, eh. It really wasn't for me. It wasn't until I was an adult that I kind of got more into the franchise. Sure. So, uh, also, I got to say, the Cenobites, I I was more entertained by the Cenobites in the sequel. So. All right. So, okay. So, terrific. Uh, I'm actually glad we did the the terrific ones uh, second, so I can give Kent my complete rebuttal to um, Cabin Fever 2, which is my number two choice, <laughs> Spring Fever 2009, uh, written by Joshua Melkin and directed by Ty West. Um, so, uh, yet yeah, disowned by the director and uh, being heavily reshot and dumped by Lionsgate to straight to video. Uh, this movie is great. Uh, the opening sequence, as I was saying, Ryder Strong, from like melting in the water to being exploded by the school bus to Giuseppe Andrews surprising his party cop character Winston in the with the sexual innuendos and dirty limericks glory uh, into that cartoon opening credits, which is 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 cheesy and definitely gives it the whole different kind of vibe. Um, it it is more gross than scary. Uh, I've do feel like the producers watched uh, 2007 Superbad and just tried to make that movie, but with what they had of Ty West's vision and footage into that. Uh, so, 
but for a misfire, it's not a bigger mess than the, the swimming pool scene or the flesh-eating miscarriage in the women's room or the uh, bloody dance floor with uh, from Spiked Piss Punch and uh, the Ramones cover of whoever's doing the Somebody Put Something in My Drink playing at the prom. So, uh, yeah. Why wasn't that janitor more concerned that he was pissing blood? Because <laughs> that's just like the town. That's what it, the thing about the movie where it just expands through the town and like so. This is a town that's connected to basically that like backwoods area from the first one. I don't know if it's like right there, but it's kind of close to there. Um, <laughs> where they all went camping in the cabin. There's no cabin, right? <laughs> in Cabin Fever Two. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's so weird though that you say that. But uh, yeah, so. that, is, that is that's such an awesome statement. Right <laughs> Turn there. down the sepultura and listen to me, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Judah Freelander. He it it was great. Like him and Giuseppe Andrews are so much. It was like a lot of fun. Like their their banter and their back and forth. They weren't really friends, but they kind of played off of each other and. And then, and then he's gone. But yes, <laughs> I I really like the dude who played his cousin Herman. Oh yeah, yeah, from uh, American movie. Yeah he he was uh, he was a real highlight. I really enjoyed him in, in the movie. Uh, probably like my second or third favorite character, quite frankly. Um, Although I really like the principal fucking Buck from Bowen. Kill Bill, yeah, uh, Bowen, yeah. I, I I just enjoyed him being a dick. So yeah. And you haven't seen this, Chris? No, I still haven't seen it. I mean, I know it's been yeah. a couple minutes. But... <laughs> you didn't uh, between the break. You're not watching it right now. <laughs> it's... Um, I'm trying to pay attention to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's that's my number two. Uh, my number one, terrific. Uh, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, 1990. Written by Charles S. Haggs? I don't know. Uh, Haas. Charles S. Haas. Uh, based on characters by Chris Columbus. And directed by the the one and only Joe Dante. This is a movie sequel where you take the original and times it by a hundred. Where a lot of horror sequels or franchises of all genres start to spoof themselves. Joe Dante does it so intentionally, you can't even tell if it's a mess or a masterpiece. Um, the story is WB wanted a sequel to Clement to gremlins so bad for six years that after Joe Dante declining, they gave him final cut. And this is what he came up with uh, a follow-up film that feels more like the style of airplane two was still delivering that classic B movie monster uh, creature feature kind of uh, thing from the eighties. Uh, and not only think that this is Joe Dante's magnum opus, but, also, this movie is like the definitive Warner Brothers picture. If you're like, what's Warner Brothers about? You could show them like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit or maybe Tim Burton's Batman. 
But I think this is the one where it kind of sums up all the Looney Tunes kind of stuff that Warner Brothers is about. From Rambo to Wizard of Oz, uh, Phantom of the Opera, Looney Tunes, and to even spoofing uh, itself in the original with Phoebe Cates uh, with the, was it President's Day thing instead of it being uh, Christmas? I don't know. Um, what's a, and what's a horror list top five without a cameo from a professional wrestler? And not only a professional wrestler, like the biggest wrestler of all time in 1990. Hulk Hogan. So what do you guys think? Ken, I want you to go first on this one. I I actually considered putting this on my my the the previous podcast. Um, underrated or overrated? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, on the terrible <laughs> twos. Um yeah, it, it's it's it, they just went straight for silly comedy stuff. It, it lost a lot of the atmosphere, and I can appreciate it for the comedy aspect, but uh, the original just holds a place in my heart. And gosh, I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this on the podcast and talked about the Key and Peel sketch and all that stuff. So. I don't really have anything too much to add. Like, it's not an offensive movie. It's fun. It really is. But it it differentiates enough in vibe that it, it just... It's a movie that I can, I'll sit and watch intently the first one. And when the second one's on, I will probably be eyeballing my phone a little bit more, to be honest. So, that's all. This is one of those movies where when you when you see it determines how you feel about it. You know, uh, I saw this as a kid. I remember wanting to go see it in the theater. I remember liking the trailer so much that me, my brother, and my cousin would fucking do the voiceover word for word waiting for this to come out. Uh, and I like I loved it as a kid. As an adult, uh, yeah, this unfortunately... It doesn't hold up. I would say, unfortunately, Gremlins doesn't really hold up either. Um, and a lot of that is due not to the, the puppets or the Gremlins or the situations that they find them, but just like what a shitty actor like Zach Galligan is. Um, this one, I mean, to put it in perspective, you've got Christopher Lee playing a guy named Dr. Catheter. So, I mean, that, that right there should tell you uh, what you're getting into. Now, uh, like, I love the Key and Peele skit, and one of the things I love about Gremlins 2 versus the first one is, like, where they went with the fucking Gremlins, like the spider Gremlin, the electricity Gremlin, the fucking chick Gremlin. I remember she was hot when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, like Kevin said, this is, like, such a Warner Brothers movie through and through. You mean, you between the wrestling, the, the like, the bat symbol carved into the wall, some of the other shit going on this is like a perfect distillation of like the fucking 80s um it's not a bad movie but it's definitely trades in some of the um the seriousness well a lot of the seriousness of the first one for just random comedy sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but 
it is a fun movie, like you said. You're both wrong. No, it, I'm just kidding. Gremlins uh, <laughs> Who Rules. Uh, yeah, and it's 1990, which is always like, it's basically still the 80s, you know, and it was made in, like, written in the 80s still. So it's like the, you know, that's like the first couple years of every new decade. It's still kind of the other one. So this movie is like kind of like a time capsule of you're like, what was, you know, the what were the 80s like? And you just like kind of play this movie and be like, this is kind of like a, of, oh, yeah, 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 it did. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it is. (laughs) It's like, is it a horror movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a family movie? It's kind of all of them. Like, which I don't even really remember in the video store where this was. I mean, this is probably in the comedy section, but would you put the first gremlins in the comedy section? with it you know so i don't i don't remember or in the family section what, what i was think this, this is pg-13 is pg-13 this is pg-13 i i think this goes in in the family kids section because i mean that's who they marketed it to despite it being pg-13 i mean kids were dragging their fucking parents to go see this if they grew up with the original Gremlins, and probably kids that hadn't seen the original probably saw the fucking absolute wackiness of, of the trailer and still dragged their parents. What do you think about the fact that that was a PG-13 rating and the original Gremlins I think was, it was a PG maybe rating. more of this, the, the language, maybe, in this, but the original, also, but, like, Gremlins, I don't think there was PG-13 when Gremlins came out. That, I mean, as I think that's exactly that be what it what it was. Is that so? I mean, but I don't know. But I, I watched Gremlins with my ten year old niece, and it was um, mostly okay, except for the part where they say that Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> but um, I totally forgot about that. But I was probably still believed in Santa Claus when I saw Gremlins the first time. So, but yeah, that's the only thing I really remember being like. Ooh, I don't know if she knows that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what though? As a kid, you hear it all the time. You just you either buy into it or you don't. Like, I mean, when I was still buying into it, you know, I was just like, yeah, fuck those people that say Santa Claus ain't real. Uh, if you watch a lot of Christmas movies too, it's hard not to run into that. Uh, conceit at all, you know, when you're a kid, because how many of them are about that whole fucking idea? Right. Right. Yeah. All right, that was pretty cool. I only had one one, uh, that matched up. Uh, Kent, how many of your eight have been taken up? Just one. Just scream two. I have so. a feeling. I have a feeling there'll be five at this point. Four, four more, or <laughs> no, four you know what? I take that back. There'll be four. There'll be four. I got four altogether. I think I got three that'll be on Kent's list. Uh, yeah. All right. You ready for me to start? Starting with number five, Evil Dead Two. Yep. Yep. There we go. Um, Evil De- Evil Dead's considered a classic. And it, it really is, you know, like, I, I own everything that Bruce Campbell's written from a book standpoint, 
and reading about how they made it, how they got the funding, the whole process of making it, and the sequel. Uh, really interesting. But you can tell that they were trying for uh, straight-up horror with the first one, and the comedy is really what I think sets the series apart. Uh, looking at everything that they've done since then, Army Darkness, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, all of the video games, barring, like, the reboots, uh, the, it's it's all the same genre of horror comedy, and that's where they really kicked in with Evil Dead 2. Um, I mean, you've got some horrific shit, like a dude having to cut his fucking arm off with a chainsaw. Uh, well, his hand. But, um... You also have, like, the whole fucking slapstick scene where he fucking breaks, like, 87 fucking dishes over his head in the course of just a couple minutes. Uh, I I actually prefer Evil Dead 2 to Evil Dead. That's probably my least favorite movie in the series. Uh, and a lot of that is just due to the budget and the talent. You know, there was a lot of drive and emotion to create, but... Uh, their intent exceeded what they they had. Uh, I think it was a great foundation, but Evil Dead Two is like really where it came together for me. Uh, I know you guys have both seen it, so what do you think? Uh, I think Evil Dead Two. Yeah, I agree with. Uh, I think that because of Evil Evil Dead Two, it it like made Bruce Campbell's character iconic. Like if it was just the first one. And then they didn't have Bruce Campbell in it, and they made like another kind of weird sequel to it um, that had little to do with it. It, I, it would just be kind of like, a, I mean, I guess it's still just a cult film, but I, I think it's it's more iconic and uh, you know, and bigger than just like a you know a cult film that you can get a movie poster for, but you can get actual like merchandise and you know axe bobblehead and stuff like that. Uh, one of the one of the things I remember too was like Evil Dead. The poster was kind of just generic, and then Evil Dead Two had that skull with the eyes looking out at you. I re- even though you know it was years before I finally watched it, I remember seeing that you know almost every time I went into a fucking video store and walked through the horror section. Yes, yes, the skull is really iconic, though I don't remember it from the movie at all. Yeah. But but it's iconic it's, nonetheless. It's not in a but movie. yeah, I think that's all. I really yeah, Evil Dead Two. Uh, I have fond memories. I need to rewatch it though, um, for sure. I haven't seen it in the last six or seven years. So, um, but yeah, I think it's a great great pick for a terrific, terrific two. Yeah. I mean, even though in a previous podcast I may have called this movie overrated, it was only based on a really strict set of rules. With that being said, I adore this movie, so uh, no complaints. It's a brilliant, fun movie. This is easily in the top like 50 most like 80s movies. For me, and, and one of the things I find really weird about it uh, is how it's it's both a sequel, like a direct sequel to the first one, with the beginning of the movie taking place immediately at the end of the first one, but it's also 
almost like a, a remake at the same time because the the plot is almost the exact same fucking plot with just new characters. Yeah, I'm not sure how they quite pulled that off. Like that's a that's a ballsy decision if you think if you like think about like when they were making that and like this was their idea. I don't know. Like if I was like. I, in charge of that, I don't know if I would have greenlit that particular idea. I've been like, why are we redoing what we just did? Uh, I could see a lot of people not quite getting that vision because it, it's kind of an absurd premise. If, if you really kind of break it down, it worked. It worked really well, but it is an absurd premise. I think that's exactly why it got greenlit. They're like, you're just going to do the same thing again, but for more money. All right. <laughs> well, one of the things Stephen that, like, King likes you. Good. <laughs> one of the things they bring up is like the movie they tried to do after Evil Dead was called Crime Wave, and it fucking failed like big time. Uh, is that the one they did with the Coens? Yeah. 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 So, um, they they got the money to do Evil Dead Two, and they were basically playing it safe. They were like, let's let's rehash this. I don't. So I like. It doesn't say immediately like where the humor, like where they decided to inject the humor into it, but I think it fucking worked. All right, uh, moving on. I th- think this will probably be on your list, Kent. But my number four is the Devil's Rejects. Yep. Uh, we we just talked about this a couple weeks ago, but what a change from a number one movie where I didn't like at all to a number two movie that becomes one of my favorites in the genre. Um, like the, the script work, the characters work, um, the scenarios that they put the characters in work, the humor fucking work. I love that fucking line about the, the, the whole conversation about the chicken. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite fucking redneck scenes in any fucking show. Um, chicken fucker. Yeah. Yeah. That man looks like he's going to fuck a chicken. I can't, but, uh, like William Forsyth's character and the bounty hunters, they worked. So it was, I don't, I just really enjoyed it. You know, I don't necessarily like, uh, you know, Otis and baby and Papa Spalding, but I like the movie and, you know, the, the music really ties into it too. Like the, the ending is fucking probably one of the best filmed, um, set pieces tied to music in horror. I mean, I don't know if I One would... of the best endings to a horror movie. Yeah, I don't know if I would say fight me on it, but I'd be willing to, you know, put a $5 bill down on the line. So, Also, the the whole, like, strip scene like, to Rocky Mountain Way, that was a really well shot scene that, you know, doesn't ever get talked about, quite frankly, but it was really well done, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, I don't like a lot of Rob Zombie stuff, and the Monsters was fucking complete and total trash, but The Devil's Rejects I do like. You know, that's that's one that I would fucking buy on, you know, Blu-ray, 4K, whatever. So The odd thing about the, it's the exact opposite of, of The Evil Dead, uh, is the departure from tone and just the departure from the house of a thousand corpses to devil's rejects works in the movie it worked like so much better for me than house of a thousand corpses that i really liked and the one thing i didn't really 
like about House of Thousand Corpses uh, is the Doctor Satan thing, the how it tied into the end, and that totally abandoned <laughs> it completely and created a different kind of horror film. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, uh, yeah, I, I love that. I love the Devil's Rejects, and the writing is just so much better, and the tie-in to the Marx Brothers and that scene with the the expert on the Marx Brothers and Willem Forsyth and the El- the whole Elvis thing is <laughs> great writing. Aaron Elvis <laughs> Presley. Ever say. Yeah, <laughs> Willem For- Forsyth so good. Um, even the the with the the girl from Police Academy Two is the mom in this one, or the from the Police Academy movies. Leslie, whatever her face is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. she worked. Uh, and I was I remember being disappointed that she wasn't the same woman when I saw Devil's Rejects, but I was like, this this just works so well. Like it didn't even it didn't even matter. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and it still plays with that conflicted thing of like you, like you remember that these are the bad guys with the scene of them with everyone in the hotel room, and then when they get double crossed, you're kind of conflicted that they get double crossed, or at least I feel in the movie. So uh, it, it created a much more emotional element of of morals, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to root for people when they're just complete and total fucking shit like, yeah. all the time. But yeah. making them slightly sympathetic, you know, works. Making the, or I should say, making the nominal good guys just as bad as the bad guys offers up a little bit of that uh, yeah. dichotomy there. Yeah. All right. Uh,. Shit, I just realized I was muted while I was talking for like a good couple minutes. Huh. Sorry. I was sorry, in here I thought it was my like, Wi-Fi. Thinking I, I lost internet. <laughs> no, no, but I just uh, I just probably did like a two-minute talk <laughs> with the mute button on. So anyways, moving on. Wait, about, wait, wait. Yeah. I, I just want to ask one question regarding Devil's Rejects. I, I think I've asked this before, maybe not with Kevin on. All right, so right before we have the fucking free bird scene, we see these like what appears to be flashbacks of like the Firefly family together. And I've read the theory cause I always, when I saw it, I always saw it as it being flashbacks of better times. But the theory goes is that this was actually more of a future wish of things to come. Like, we're finally going to get to be a family and enjoy each other's company uh, when this is all said and done. Like, uh, like I said, like wishful thinking uh, rather than like a past memory. Uh, and that kind of added more weight to the, how the final scene played out for me uh, looking at that, that way. Um, 
But do you, either of you guys see it as strictly uh, a flashback, or do you possibly buy into this other theory? I thought it was flashbacks. I don't think I really thought about it, but it sounds... Uh, the theory sounds exactly like the end scene of uh, Natural Born Killers. If they yes. like originally died, and then this shows them, because they were supposed to die... And then it still cuts to them in the in the RV with the kids and stuff. Like you know, this is what could have been. Unlike the movie ends, and you kind of feel like it's it's uh, the future, or you know what could be still. So um, yeah, I don't. I think I have to just watch it again, and uh, and I'll probably keep that in mind. Interesting. Uh, I, I kind of just feel like it's flashbacks. I mean, not to suck away your uh, no, no, Chris, enthusiasm. go ahead, go go mute yourself for two minutes. <laughs> I mean, I already did. Back so. to mute. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's not do that again. Hey, this is my list right now. <laughs> All right, we um, number three, which is probably the weakest one in my list. Uh, in it, it's a movie that I. I know Ken and I have talked about before, and the only reason it hits my list is because I love the fucking subversion of the ending. Um, but uh, I went with The Collection. Uh, I really think yep. that The Collector is a better movie. Straight up, hands down, a better horror movie. Uh, especially because this one starts out so far in left field, like that this guy would have been on... You would have had the FBI, Homeland Security, ATF, D, every fucking law enforcement company agency in the country would have focused on this fucking county or whatever where this guy's just fucking mowing down people left and right and fucking kidnapping them and the uh the, the somehow setting up a fucking booby trap that kills like 75 people in the very first scene alone um and it's it's an interesting Id- premise idea on the premise that he uh actually keeps a bunch of the people that he kidnaps and turns them into brainwashed slaves, zombie mutants, whatever, and the, the whole fun house that he's got set up where they have to go through is almost something out of, like, a, a saw thing. Uh, and it's just just an okay movie, for the most part, going through it. Um, and then you get to the end where he escapes and you see the mask on the uh, the garbage pile or that set on fire, and you're like, oh... They're just leaving it open for a sequel. And then uh, it cuts to the very end scene where Arkin has managed to figure out who the collector is, breaks into his house, uh, and at gunpoint kidnaps the collector and forces him into a box. Uh, Which, if they left it there... Sorry for spoilers if you haven't seen it. uh, If they left it there, I think would make just a fucking amazing subversion of that whole trick ending that we used to get, you know, where the bad guy dies or you think the bad guy dies and then he pops out of the, uh, the woodwork, the fireplace, the closet, what, what have you. I mean, and I've seen so many different versions of it, uh, but they're making a third one. So I have a feeling that that's going to shit all over the ending to two. And that would probably change my whole opinion of the movie when it comes out. Uh, and I know Kent and I've talked about it before. Kevin, have you seen this before? No, I haven't. I I kind of 
think I remember people saying that the collector is good or worth watching, but then I'm like, like, is it though? And, uh, so I, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I'm definitely interested. Sounds, it sounds a lot of fun, especially well, the second one for sure. So if the first one, I think is a really pretty creepy, intense, like cat and mouse serial killer type movie. The second one definitely buys into like, Hey, we got more money. So now we're going to fall into all of the mistakes that people typically do when you try to make a more mainstream slash popular movie. I'm in. Sounds I'm still in. Sounds good. So yeah. The collector, they're on prime. So yeah. Yeah. Else who hasn't seen it like me. Both are really good, man. I really like Arkin too. Josh Stewart. Uh, he doesn't, do a ton of movies, but like I like his character in these. Yeah, he he's pretty good. Like, uh, yeah, he 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 really is good. A good fit for these movies. All right. Uh, so let me move on because I don't think you're going to really say anything too much on it, can't I? No, I'm just hoping. I mean, you're three for three. I. I I got four more movies. I'm hoping you can knock off two more, but... Well, I had Scream 2 as my number two, but it was really easy to just pivot from that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, this is another one that I've talked about before, but I don't know if you guys have watched yet, but um, Daybreak? Sequel to... Or, excuse me, I take that back. Daywatch. Yes, thank you. Was that on your list? (laughs) No, that was... Yeah. Because I haven't talked about it, so I couldn't include it on my list. Um... Very rarely do I see a movie series where the ending just fucking ties everything up perfectly. Um, this this one does. Like Nightwatch, I really enjoyed. I really liked the 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 universe that they create is fucking interesting as fuck. Um, looking back on it now, the the special effects looked amazing when they came out in like two thousand seven, but. Uh, didn't necessarily hold up as well. Maybe it was because of the quality of the film that they used when they, they did it. Daywatch is better. It's still not great, but like just everything in this movie was amped up to the nth degree. But what really gets it for me is I love the, the way the ending wraps, excuse me, everything up and leaves it on a satisfying note. Um, it's also interesting because even though the main characters from the first one are still mostly the main characters, uh, they almost spend just as much time looking at the people who were the nominal bad guys in the first one, uh, and showing events from their point of view and giving their motivations. And, um, it's just really well written, um, well acted and it's just a really cool concept if you guys haven't seen it uh, I definitely would recommend it very highly it's hard to find but every once in a while uh, you can find on like Amazon I found a, a Blu-ray copy of both of them uh, it's Blu-ray but it's not HD so I mean you can definitely see that it's basically like the bare bones minimum porting that they could possibly do to put it on there uh, but 
you know, I realize there are a lot of movies, especially um, from the 80s and 90s, these are from the 2000s, that um, it's really hard to find, you know, updated HD quality for just because of the way that the um, the film was preserved when they made them. I don't think either of you have seen this yet, correct? No, I remember you talking about this, was it for, was it Nightwatch or Daywatch for the, was it the romantic couples? Yeah, I, well, it was, it was, it was both, you know, cause. Yeah, I think it was yeah. both, yeah. So, um, no, it's on my watch list. Uh, Daywatch, yeah, neither of them are on. I feel like they were on something back then, but they're not, they're on my wa- want to watch, watch list, so. Uh, and I remember being really interested in them when you when you talked about it. So they do sound they sound cool, and I like and I like uh, that kind of era of special effects that don't hold up anymore. Like there's I don't know there's something interesting about it to watch. So there's a really cool scene with a fucking Ferris wheel, and that's all I'll say. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, so moving on. Uh, what do you think my number one is, Kent? Alright, so I'll tell you... I don't I don't think you're going to have Dawn of the Dead, and I don't think you'll have Saw 2, because I know you don't like Saw 2 as much as I do. But that leaves two possibilities on my list. I still have 28 weeks later, and I have Purge Anarchy. Wow. Um, no, actually, none of them. Shit. If I told you it was a sci-fi horror movie, what would you think? <laughs> Predator 2. No, actually... No, close. Yeah. Uh, aliens, actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's it's less of a horror movie than it is an action movie, but I still think it's horrific. I mean, when you put it in the video store, where they, they put it, they put it right next to Alien. Um, I don't know. I just fucking love this movie. Uh Bill Paxton is fucking amazing. Michael Bean. It's one of the easiest examples to point to and say, this is how you do a strong female correctly. Um, you know, the, the corporate greed with Paul Reiser, Lance Henriksen's Bishop. I mean, Vasquez, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I like it. I don't like a ton of James Cameron movies, but I fucking love this one. So, I don't know. I, we've talked about this a fucking shit ton, Kent. I don't really think I need to say a ton more about it. Most people that are listening to this have seen it, probably seen it multiple times. It's a, one of the most quotable uh, horror movies, or horror-adjacent movies at the very least. You know, it's it's iconic. Yeah, I uh, I think the first one is is hands down scarier. I think the third one is is hands down way more nihilistic. But you know, this one is still pretty fucking scary. Like the queen gets me when she tears the fucking uh, egg sac off her cooch to go chase after Ripley. I mean, that's you know, that's like nightmare fuel for me. Yeah, yeah, I love I love aliens. I I I was really young, so aliens is among like the first 
DVDs, or no, DVDs, VHS movies that we owned. It was like Top Gun, Aliens, Predator, Sound of Music, because my mom had to get a VHS. And those are the ones that I, and Three Amigos. And those are the movies I watched over and over and over again, because movies were like $70 a piece then. Uh, and the VHS players were 500 Uh So... Yeah, I've seen it so many times before I even knew what genres were, but it was always scary. And one of the things that always messed with me was that I knew who Paul Reiser was as a stand-up comedian. And so I always really liked him, like, I guess, uh, and was so disappointed in him when he betrays Ripley. So, like, and I didn't understand the difference of, like, being a comedian and then being an actor. Because I just see this guy as the same thing, and I guess like being like a fan of like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, or even you know at that time I only knew Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. Um, so yeah, and I actually didn't see the first Alien until much later, and it wasn't as exciting when I was younger when I watched it, but when I watch it now, I do. It is you know I get it. It's it's scarier. It's kind of a it's a better movie, but yeah the Alien, those first three Alien movies, they give you three totally different things, but they're all really well done. And, uh, yeah, it's, it definitely, and it, you know, it went with the HR Geiger stuff and really ran with it in this one. So, and, uh, even, it's so quotable that the Alien 3 video game uses the Bill Paxton line, like, whatever. The game over, man. Like when you lose, it's like Bill Paxton's voice on the Super Nintendo thing. <laughs> game over, man. Like, over, and then in your head, you're like, we're in some pretty deep shit now. You just add it in there. But yeah, because you're like, why is that's from, that's from Aliens, not Alien Three. I wish Bill Paxton was in Alien Three, at least when it came out. But it's going. Going back now, Alien 3, I, I liked it then, but, uh, you know, I love it now. And to see it as David Fincher's first movie, it's, you know, I'm excited to see if they ever come out with the David Fincher cut. That would be so interesting, listening to, like, yeah. interviews with him about the shit that they fucking changed. Yeah. yeah, another instance of the studio. But it's still, like, the world they create is is still really really good in that. But anyways, we're talking about aliens. James Cameron, it's uh, yeah, he did he did a sequel the right way. I still want to see Piranha two, but uh, I'm not paying for it yet. All right, yeah, there we go. That's my list. Can't what you got? I got a lot. I'm gonna get through early ones though quickly um so quote unquote honorable mentions i don't i just watched don't breathe 2 for the second time today it's not a horror movie it's a sequel to a horror movie so it's really in that weird weird place like there's nothing horror it is it's like the crow except you have blind stephen lang and less production value but it still takes place in detroit so how do they turn the bad guy from the first one into like the hero for the second one 
he's the caregiver for this girl called Phoenix, this little girl that he's been, he trains her like in survival techniques and uh, some ex-military guys uh, basically kidnap her from him and he just goes kind of like on a blind man rescue rage mission so to speak and it's it's fun like uh it's stupid fun i'm not gonna say it's good i'm just gonna say it's stupid fun if you like stephen lang i I, which i do I, i like him um if you'd like stupid cheesy like 80s action movies i i feel like you you would feel at home with this so I don't know. That's why it's an honorable mention because it's just—it's not a horror in any way. And somehow they cha- made the bad guy into somewhat of a good guy here. Uh, so there's that. And that's Stephen uh, Lang. Yeah. 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 He-, Who, he also killed the, killed in VFW, which I haven't talked enough about on this podcast, but I will someday. Um. All right. Um. I'm going to bring up two big, well, two, two part twos from big franchises that did two very different things, but they did them really well. So, Halloween 2, the original, the 1981, because if you want to go with, like, all the various ones that you could technically be, like, the second one in the series, like, there's a lot of options here. But we're talking about the original part two was just a nice direct continuation of the original night from Halloween. And that that idea is just not used. Like, still to this day, like, we don't have that nice continuation. Uh, and I, I really appreciated that. It, it was a gutsy play, and it paid off. It, it paid off to do that rather than do what was, end up being Halloween 3 for example. So uh, I just kind of wanted to acknowledge that. And on the other hand, acknowledge what Friday the 13th part two did. Uh, Cause that movie just doesn't get much talk, but I mean, we get Jason. So yeah, I mean that, that belongs in some kind of honorable mention at the very least we get fucking Jason. Um, I'm throwing on terrifier two as an honorable mention only because they did things right compared to Terrifier 1, which Terrifier 1 was just terribly under-budgeted, and eh. It, it, it was okay, but like they just upped the ante for Terrifier 2 in so many ways that, you know, if you were a fan of what they were presenting, you got a shit ton more in Terrifier 2. So, there was that. Um... And the last one that's on my honorable mentions list would be Hostel Part 2. And it's mainly because I didn't like Hostel Part 1. Hostel Part 2 is actually a good movie with good actresses. It, it's honest, it, it's, it's weird that Hostel still gets talked about, but Hostel 2 is just really this underrated gem of a movie. Um, it, for, especially in the, uh, I will not say torture porn genre, it's just in that torturish genre. Because, well, although there is a lot of nudity, 
Hmm. I don't know. Either way, I'm not going to use Torch Burn. So, those are my honorable mentions. Number five, Pearl, which is really recency bias. But damn it, if that's not one of the best acted female performances in a horror movie, I, I don't know what is. I don't know what else to possibly offer. Even if you don't like the movie or whatever, her performance is fucking top-notch in, in that movie, Mia Goth. And she's won my heart. And I have no problem saying that this is really up there high as far as a horror movie sequel goes. I, Chris, I don't think, has seen Pearl. Kevin, I know, has. Uh, Kevin's on board with me. I, I know that. Uh, yeah. Like, it's just a really good freaking movie. And, I, I mean, <sighs> I don't know if you call it a sequel. It's the second movie made in a trilogy. So I agree. I, it I totally know. counts in this because it also like adds so much to the first movie because it's a, a, a such a direct prequel to the character. It, there, there's just so much that go, and I won't like give any anything away. But it, there's so much to the character with the things that happen in X with Pearl and the way she acts and these like almost like nuanced things, and then. When you get Pearl, you're like, oh my god, this makes sense of why all of this, like, random... It's almost feeling random stuff that happens in the first movie um, happens because of what we get in in Pearl, if that makes sense. You almost want to watch X, then Pearl, and then X again. (laughs) You know I do want to watch X again, but... Uh Like, I'm waiting for Maxine, obviously, and then I'm just going to do the whole trilogy. Yeah. So. Um, and Chris, I, I, get, I mean, you just haven't seen it, right? Yeah, I really don't have too much to contribute to the conversation since I haven't seen either of them. Okay. Well, I'll move on to a movie that you've seen, and I'm guessing Kevin has. Uh, number four, Final Destination 2. Uh I, I love the first one, but I love, like, the first 10 to 15 minutes of Final Destination 2 with the whole vision of the whole pileup on the on the freeway. It's just so fucking well done. There are times where I will just watch that sequence up up to, like, watching the, like, her snip out of the dream and then watch it all play out and then they go to like the the police station or wherever like i can just watch that opening uh, numerous times like it's just so good and then yeah some of the deaths are really good like the rest of it's good but the opening is top five for horror movies for me it's it's phenomenal uh for an opening so that's why it places so high up. Uh, it's silly, but it's good. I don't know. Thoughts? It is a, a good in, uh, intro to a horror movie. I'm just not a big fan of the uh, whole series as a whole. But it probably is the strongest intro to any of them out of the whole series. I haven't seen it. 
and forever and I liked Final Destination alright I guess uh, and the second one I wasn't into but I do remember that opening sequence being strong but I kind of feel like that's the exact same way about the first Final Destination movie like it was really good up to like the plane crash and then it's kind of mysterious and then as it sort of starts to explain itself of what is happening it's less mysterious and just i another sort of scream ripoff you're or like you know the things that cannot scream ripoff but a thing to come after <laughs> the the kinds of teenage horror films that came after scream um but yeah i would i, I definitely want to go back and watch the final destination movies because uh i i know people who who say they actually get better they get worse and then they get better again is what i've heard so um and there's a lot of them now right yes. how many eight five there's okay five so final destination and part five is really good like all right so like part one's probably you know the best whatever part two is a really good sequel and then like part three and four they go and tr- they try recreating the magic from the openings of the first two and they like they just can't quite re- recreate as good and i don't even know what the hell part five does in the beginning i just know what the payoff is in part five and it's really freaking good is the best i'll say so it, it, but you gotta be a fan of the series i guess too uh to be fair um, with that, I'll go with my number three here. I'm going to say, it's weird that I'm putting this up here, but Dr. Sleep, because it's the only sequel to a Stephen King movie that's worth a damn. And not only is it worth a damn, it is a damn good movie. I mean, it's remember, the follow-up to arguably the best Stephen King movie. Remember how I was telling you there was a movie I could I was thinking about when I was making the list and I couldn't remember what it was? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked that that was not on your list. But That's what happens yeah. when you rush. You forget Dr. Yeah. Sleep. Uh, I, I don't really know what to say. Like, they recreated the fucking place beautifully. They told the story, like... I had I didn't read the book, so I'm just going from a cinematic perspective. They just did so many things right, and even like fucking Henry Thomas in the Jack roll was fucking great. Uh, I I I really the first time I saw it, I was not so keen on uh, what the fuck's her name the hat Rebecca uh, Ferguson. Her name Rose the hat. Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah, like, I wasn't too keen on her, but, like, by the end of it, I was more keen on her since then I've watched it two more times. And, uh, you know, it's not like a short movie, so you got to be invested in it. It's a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie, and, yeah, totally get invested into it. I don't know. It, it's weird that I have two very recent movies in Pearl and Doctor Sleep this high up. But I don't really regret it because it's not. I don't feel like I'm getting caught up in the moment. I mean, Doctor Sleep is a movie that was like 
you know, 40 years after. So I'm pretty good with that, that pick. So I don't know. Uh, obviously Chris is a fan because he probably would have had it on his list. So have at it guys. Uh, so Dr. Sleep, I was a little bit disappointed in cause I bought it and I heard so many good things about it. Uh, I, I did like it. I definitely am not a, a hater on it. And what I did like about it is it kind of consolidated, combined the ending of the movie and the ending of the book, which are completely, I wouldn't say like completely different in one way is one is hot and one is cold. The film version being the cold one. And it kind of like mashes it together in a way and it and it works and, and that I find really impressive the thing that I feel like it could have done without is the same thing with Rage 2 is the tying it in with the movie or more uh, or actually recreating the scenes from The Shining I think it could have done without that um, but uh, to try and recreate those scenes from The Shining without it being Jack Nicholson or Shelley Long. Um, yeah, that was that was a little bit too weird. But I only saw it once, and I own it, and I will watch it again. And uh, But, yeah, um, I'm surprised. I like Pet Cemetery 2 better. But I also like Cabin Fever 2, so what do I know? What? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, uh, Cemetery Two wow. better than Doctor Sleep. That I, I'm gonna put that in, <laughs> this in, is, as a tag somehow. This is the police. Come out with your hands up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Mike Flanagan had a really thankless task to do in that. Uh, Doctor Sleep is a fucking really good book uh, as a sequel to The Shining, but the the book was different enough from the movie, which is the thing that people think about that there was almost going to be no way to like correlate them together. And he did it. Uh, as a result, I think we get a, a weaker movie than we would if, if they had stuck straight to the book. But at the same time, we then get a, a better sequel to the shining movie than we would have if they had stuck straight to the book. Um, the ending is, I'd, I'd say the ending is what makes it worse. But um, yeah, it was it was good. I I really enjoyed it. Um, you lose out on some of the stuff that tells you why Danny is feeling so uh, negative when he first comes to the town because of some of the shit that he did that uh, they don't show. But um, overall, I mean, uh, between that and then seeing a bunch of the stuff he did on Netflix, it really makes me have hope for Mike Flanagan doing the. Um, the Dark Tower, which he's working on getting going at uh, Prime. Good. As a TV series or like a film series? I, th- I think just as a series. You know, I don't know. It would, they would probably say TV series, but considering we're just beyond Amazon, I mean, I don't know how you can. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, also, I one other thing I really liked. Uh, Kylie Curran, the the girl that played Abra, 
I thought she was really freaking good, and I just looked her up, and she doesn't have a lot going on yet, but I, I really hope that she gets more roles. I, I thought she did a great job. All right. Number two is probably the one movie that I've talked about more on, on this podcast than anything else on my list, and that is Creep Show 2, arguably the greatest horror anthology film of all time. I don't know. I mean, I know we keep throwing out challenges to, for people to fight us, and that's probably the worst thing we can do, but, you know, once again, fight me about it. I don't care. It, it's, <clears throat> it's just, it's it's not only a sequel to a great anthology, but it is arguably better than the original. And I, I don't really know, like... I, I know people are fans of like some of the old like uh, Anibus, the, the Hammer Horror like anthologies, and then like for new era like we have Trick or Treat, which I don't know why we never got a sequel to Trick or Treat, for example. But lost in these like shuffle here is Creepshow Two, which only had three stories and then the wraparound. But it's fucking solid the whole way through. Uh, the first story is dated. Yes, I get that. But it's still good. It's dated, but good. You know, uh, The second one's the most memorable, being The Raft, and then The, the Hitchhiker for the third story. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if you've seen it, I don't really have to tell you why it's great. If you haven't seen it, I don't know where the hell to go see it, but go find it. Go watch it. Go, go. You can safely just go and buy the movie. I don't think you'll have any regrets. Just my personal thoughts. Um, I don't. I don't have it up on IMDb. Was there any like major stars in in this? Do you, either of you remember? Uh, it's been a while since I watched it, but um. Weren't like one, up, no. one, one of the two of the kids on the raft kind of famous? Mm, let's see, Tom George Kennedy. Okay. Oh, he was old. Che- From, yeah, okay. Yeah, he was uh, in the first in the first one, and he was uh, in uh, Cool Hand Luke. Stay down, Luke. You're beat. Tom Savini played the creep. The creep. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's really not like much name value as I'm looking through this, which I mean, it's fine. It's just, I, I don't know. It's just an impressive movie to me. And, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm curious if you were to show this to say like, uh, uh, somebody like 15 to 20 years old. So, you know, obviously much younger than us. I'm curious, like if they would just sit there and think this is total shit or if they would actually like it. I, I, I really am kind of torn on how this movie would be received. What do you guys think? I don't know. It's part of my childhood, though. Like, we had this on, like, someone recorded it on VHS, so Creepshow was one of those, like, with, like, two other movies, and I'd watch it all the time and get a confused Creepshow one because I'd watch that all the time also. So... Um, is this another Stephen King sequel? Technically, yes. 
I did not think about that at all. But yeah, you're you're right. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. I definitely can't say you're wrong. Making short stories are I I love um, a little bit more than his novels. So uh, it was always cool to see. Is this the one with the raft? Yeah, this, this is, is the, one the one raft. raft. Yeah. 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 So that was a great story. And uh, to read it later on after seeing this movie is it 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 just holds up. So, yeah, I think I I think it is great. I should probably own this. Yeah, uh, I still don't like going into lakes to go swimming. I mean, so I mean, it, it would still uh, it affected me. I don't know if it would affect kids still, but yeah, it it fucked me up for like thirty some odd years. I I definitely had trepidations on like you know when you go out on the lake and like you know there would be like the 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 raft or whatever out there floating that you'd climb up on or whatever I would always get super like in the back of my mind it was there so I don't know that's like a freaking compliment to any horror movie that can kind of pull that off all right so. My number one that, movie. Oh wait, I do want to add that story is a little dated too. <laughs> <laughs> what part exactly, Kevin? <laughs> uh, where the where the geek gets the girl, but yeah. she's unconscious. <laughs> so bad. But at the time, yeah. Okay. Um, but he but he gets his in the end. So yeah, like yeah. I mean, but, and that's how the geek really gets the girl. <laughs> Just, just don't taunt, taunt the fucking oily blob, whatever fucking thing. Like that's the lesson I learned. Just don't taunt the thing that's killed your other friends. Huh? Like that seems reasonable, right? If you run, just keep fucking running. Yeah. <sighs> just yeah. All right. So my number one is a movie that I don't talk about hardly at all on here. And it's weird to realize how high in regard I, I hold this, but Sleepaway Camp 2. And I know that's kind of a, an upset here, but I want you guys to consider Sleepaway Camp 1. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know. Have, have both of you guys seen or at least know the ending to Sleepaway Camp 1? Yeah, um, one of my mom and dad's friends was actually a, uh, like a grip or a something on that, I don't something in the production side of, of that movie, so, um, they actually got to see it early, before it, uh, debuted. Huh. Nice. Uh, and Kevin, you know the thing. I don't. No, I don't. Okay. I don't remember the Sleepaway Camp movies. I was gonna watch. This was on my list of uh, sequels, or and or also Slumber Party Massacre, which I confused. <laughs> Dude, I just bought part one and two of Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> Surprised that's not on the list. That one, uh, but yeah. Uh, so no, I don't. But go ahead. Okay, so without Kevin knowing the 
ending of part one, I'm going to pick what I say very delicately and say that to go from that ending of part one, you sit there and say, well, how the hell do you make a sequel? Like, where do you kind of go with that? And the direction that they went with taking that one character from the original and making them the killer in part two and three and possibly return to sleepaway camp i don't know that i only watched that one once um but two and three i've watched so many times um two is like there's like comedy elements it's it borrows heavily. I mean, they straight up have uh, someone dress up as Freddy, as Jason, and as Leatherface. Like, so there's like homages. Uh, there's tons of tits. There's tons of good deaths. There's a lot of great one-liners. It, everything just kind of comes together, and it's not perfect. It's not even great. But it's incredible to know where they came from the original and then where they took it. it they took it to a point, it's like how Nightmare on Elm Street 3 saved the franchise so then you could go on to keep having more sequels. That's kind of what Sleepaway Camp 2 did. It allowed for them to expand the franchise moving forward. And I, I think that's something to be celebrated. So... Uh, uh, it's definitely like that 80s camp horror uh, like at its finest uh, without being Friday the 13th or The Burning. Um, I, 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 I'm really struggled for somebody to like who, who likes 80s horror. I can't imagine somebody who likes 80s horror not enjoying this movie. You may not like Sleepaway Camp 3 as much. Uh, it's definitely weaker than 2, but Part two is just, it's phenomenal. So that that's my odd choice. Uh, Chris, did you see the part two? Yeah, or? I like Sleepaway Camp part two. Um, I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily quantify it as like the quintessential 80s slasher, but um, it's good. Like, you, you know what I mean, though? Like, it's weird how they, like, kind of took what one part one gave and, like... I thought they took it in a smart way. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. It's hard to talk around it, though, like like you said. So. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't seen it, but it's No Maniac uh, Cop 2. That is for certain. That showed up on a lot of lists. Yeah, I, I that was one that I thought of after. I was like, oh, that, is, that would be a terrific uh, sequel. Did, did anybody else find how I don't know if you guys like looked online for lists, but I did, and like you type in sequels, and like everybody thinks that you want every single possible sequel instead of just a part two. And even when you specify part two, you still end up getting like parts three and four and stuff. I was like, my favorite thing about this list was how many lists would do. Oh, this is the best sequel ever, and then the very next list would be like, oh, this is the worst sequel ever. Yeah. <laughs> People were super divided. Yeah. Like this podcast. Yes. Yes. I mean, because fucking Cabin Fever 2. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to really have to watch that now just to fucking see where I fucking <laughs> which, which Which side of the fence you stand? Sleepaway Camp 2 yeah. or you Sleepaway Camp 3? 
which camp are you in? <laughs> I think I'm in a, uh, a two. Yeah, I'm excited to check these movies uh, out, though. I'm really excited for this this October, and uh, this this whole thing made me think of like oh, I really need to get into watching more of these uh, franchise, even Sleepaway Camp, and check out these sequels because I did have a lot of fun with the terrible, the terrible ones. Probably more fun than with the terrific ones. Me too. Yeah, I, I think that's why I devoted my weekend to the terrible. I was like, I already know the good ones. Like, I've seen the good ones however many times. Like, I need to know what is absolutely shitty so I can talk competently about how bad they are. They're especially fewer and far between when you're having to use the number two in it for terrific ones. <laughs> that because Pearl true. was like, oh, Pearl, yeah, that would be great. And then I was like, oh. Maybe I should just do the number two. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Yeah, that was well, that was a little harder than I wanted to put into it. I just didn't want to sit there and watch the originals and then watch the sequel so I could compare and contrast. But like, that's what I kind of wanted to do. It's just too much time spent. Yeah. Agreed. Well, all right, people, thank you for tuning in and listening to these two podcasts with us. Our next one, which we'll be back for sometime in July, is going to be a top list based on gothic movies and fairy tales. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this. And, again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. See ya.